0: Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're talking about powerlifting, which is not something I do often these days, but I did have a listener write in and ask me to record an episode on the things that I learned during my, do I say powerlifting journey? I did a novice comp back in 2020, just before the lockdowns happened, and so I thought I would go through, and I actually have four lessons that I learned from that journey that If you're thinking about doing powerlifting or even if you're thinking about pursuing something that maybe is competitive, I think you will get a lot out of this. So without further ado, I did just want to quickly mention that I do currently have Online coaching places open inside the Glam Body program, which is a very, very exciting. So, if you are a female who typically identifies as a high achiever and you're feeling like you're burning the candle at both ends, but you're looking for a physique outcome, you wanna build muscle, you wanna get stronger. And you want to get jacked, of course, then definitely send me through a DM on Instagram at Amy Louise coaching, and we can have a chat and see if my coaching through custom training, programming, nutrition, help mindset, and education is right for you. So without further ado, let us dive into this episode. So, just to backtrack a little bit and give you a bit of a history on how I came to do powerlifting, it wasn't, I guess, a passion that was screaming out at me. Before I did the uh, novice meet in 2020, I had actually done what I'll call like non non-san- sanctioned amateur meets, amateur meets. And it's really, really funny because I didn't train for any of them. I had my coach who is my coach right now, and we were still doing we were still doing hypertrophy training mostly. And then I'm pretty sure a few weeks beforehand, we added in, no, it wasn't, that's, that's not true. For, I think it would have been at least eight weeks prior, we were doing some deadlifts, squats, and bench. I was already proficient in those lifts though. Um, but yeah, we we didn't peak, we didn't do any of that, we just I just rocked up there and it was a charity day event to be fair too. So um like an in-house with all of the clients of that group at the time. So it wasn't, you know, anything to anything to properly prepare for at that time when when it was held. It was a lot of fun and I think I did three of those uh in years prior to 2020. And at one of them, it's really funny because there was a photo shoot on the same day. And of course, my goals were always and have a a lot of the time being more aesthetic or more hypertrophy based, right? It's just it's what I really, really enjoy doing. So on that day, I was actually dieting down for a photo shoot and uh, pulled, I was 52 kilos and pulled 130 kilos in a sumo deadlift. And yes, okay, granted I'm 5'1", so the bar doesn't have to (laughs) move very far off the floor when I'm doing sumo but I was really, really stoked. Like I hadn't specifically prepped for the a powerlifting meet. We hadn't peaked. I was dieting. It was like the last day of my diet. Um, I'm laughing just because yeah, I like, I think that I am genetically gifted to an extent and I don't think that that's like a normal result that someone would get, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And I really did like, um, I did like strength training. I Like I said, I have always preferred hypertrophy training, but I, I did like strength training. And then what happened was in the end of 2019, unfortunately, I got really sick. I had glandular fever. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know for months. I was just like, why am I waking up with night, you know, having night sweats every night? And why do I like have trouble breathing? And why do I feel so fatigued all the time? And then I think it took me uh, yeah, a couple of months to actually get into the doctor and they ran some tests and they were like, yo, you're really unwell. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got glandular fever. And if anyone's had it, you know that it can deck you. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I digress. So I think I had that. It started about August, September of 2019. And um, once we found out I had that, we pulled back my training to like only 30 sets a week. It was hardly anything. And so it wasn't a great time for me in the gym. Like the training didn't feel so good because I was only doing a few sets per session. Uh, and I'd sort of lost my way a little bit uh, with what I was doing and just being fatigued all the time too. It wasn't, wasn't fantastic. So the competition, I believe, was February, end of February 2020. It was literally just before the lockdowns. Yeah, it was the end of February 2020. And so I think we started the prep maybe with an eight-week turnaround. It wasn't long. Maybe it was 10 weeks. So it was right at the end of 2019 that we started. And I, so I was getting better. I was recovering. And I was like, you know what? It's going to help me give me some, you know, a great deal of focus. And I'm going to have to be consistent. Kind of like if you've ever heard my marathon story where I, I, I don't know if you have heard it actually, but I was sort of thinking at that time, like, of course, if I, if I, uh, com- if I train for a marathon, of course I'll be skinny by the end of the training session, uh, by the end of the training, um, you know, to be able to actually do the marathon that didn't happen, of course, but, um, it was kind of like the <laughs> really similar thought in my head. Like, you know, I, if I do this meet, I have to be consistent. Like I have no choice. And thankfully that's actually true. Right. So yes, I, I did, I did do that meet and, I think this is a good time now to dive into to start off with the two lessons that i learned which happened in that um prep phase for for the meat so the first one is that you know everyone worries that they're not strong enough to to do the meat and the lesson here is that's the wrong question there is no question about whether you're strong enough to do the meat The question is really, do you have the technical skill to do the lift and can you fail safely? So are you technically able to meet the requirements of the squat, the bench, and the deadlift as per powerlifting rules? And then number two is if something goes wrong during the lift, are you competent enough to make sure that you don't wreck yourself Wreck yourself in failing because, of course, especially for that third lift, we want to be pushing so much so, like, we want to be um, going for numbers that maybe are just you know slightly not out of reach, but are going to really test our abilities. And it's highly like, or it's not highly likely, but it's very, very possible, I guess, that failure is going to happen. And we just need to make sure that we can do that safely. So I think that a lot of people do, like I say, they worry that um, they're they're not going to be strong enough. And I think there's also a little bit of this ego thing like, well, I don't want to be the first person for every single lift. I don't want people to be looking at me because, you know, every single lift of mine is 20 kilos lighter than the next person. I think this is where the tough love fairy comes in and you just have to get over your ego and do the damn thing. Like if you want to do this, you you have to start somewhere and you're going to get over it. You're going to be fine. Get in and have a shot. So don't worry or don't ask yourself the question, am I strong enough? Ask yourself, am I technically proficient to follow um, powerlifting rules and execute these three lifts as per powerlifting rules? And if the, the answer is yes, you know, or if it's no, get to that point, then the next question is, can I fail safely? If that's a yes, then good. Then you're good to go. And yeah, put your ego aside when it comes to worrying about not being strong enough. You probably won't be very strong your first meet. Not that many people are. I think you have to be genetically gifted to be strong on your first meet. And, you know, we shouldn't expect to be. It's like everyone has a chapter one and this is yours and the experience that you're going to get from starting out and just doing the thing is going to be uh, next to next to nothing and there are i've actually coached a number of women maybe six or seven women two actual sanctioned novice meets and they were all terrified beforehand and they all said it was the best thing that they've ever done and they're so happy that they took the leap and did it anyway okay so the second lesson is to take each rep and each micro progression at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself, okay? Now, my story with this is actually a story about squat anxiety which um Beck Potlidge. I'm going to screw up her name. And I recorded an episode a few episodes ago that actually has like squat side in the title, I believe. So you might um, head on over to that episode once you've listened to this episode and check out that one. But yeah, I dealt with really bad squat So just getting really personal here, I do struggle quite a little bit with catastrophizing in my brain. I, I still do. And I'm working with a psychologist right now to help me work through that. I'm really grateful that it doesn't stop me from doing things. Typically, it might stop me from enjoying things, okay? But yeah, so I do catastrophize things, and this is no joke. When I'm under a squat bar, I have thoughts that I'm going to fall over and die and i know that that might elicit a giggle from some of you and you might think maybe i'm just saying this to exaggerate or be dramatic um, i'm not that's what happens and i have so many videos of me squatting and physically shaking <laughs> it's, it's true i physically shaking because of the anxiety i have when i was squatting and you know this was happening prior to doing this meet so it wasn't something that happened during the the um, powerlifting prep did I say meat? I meant prep. During the prep, it was something that had existed prior to the prep. And I don't know where it came from because I was able to squat um, at even heavier weights than I was um, than when I started the prep without this problem. And I don't quite know where it where it came from, if I saw something somewhere or whatever. But yeah, it, it had started maybe a year prior to me doing the powerlifting meet. Just out, like, yeah, it seemed like out of the blue. I, I don't know where it came from. But look, to be honest, there was no real secret trick to helping me do this. There were a couple of things that took a little while that helped me get through it, but it wasn't just like click of the the fingers and I got through it. So that's why I'm saying you've just got to take one rep at a time, one micro progression at a time. And so the way I got through this was understanding that, again, by doing this meat, I'm going to have to get over it. Like, I'm going to have to get over it somehow or another. And, you know, just continually pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I think you can see this theme, but it was just rep after rep, you know, micro progression after micro progression, you know, 1.25 kilo increases per week, which some people, you know, look down upon. Uh, maybe not even that. Maybe it was just an extra rep per week, right? Right. But far out, you know, you've got to put in these hard yards. You've got to do this. You can't skip steps. You In this lifting game, in hypertrophy and strength, you cannot skip steps. And no one can do this shit for you. You've got to do it yourself. The other thing, technically speaking, and when I say technically, I mean like technique-wise, that helped me get through my squat anxiety was actually when we incorporated some poor squats, so being paused in the hole and uh, seeing that I had the strength to get myself out, of course, it's at a little bit lighter weight because we're doing poor squats um, than it would be doing normal squats. Uh, that actually did help me with quite a lot of confidence, um, especially when you're in that pause position in the hole. If you've got the safeties up, you're really not far away from just failing really, really safely. Um, and you know, if this is something that you struggle with, that's, you know, I would recommend doing a block or a, a few blocks where you include some pause squats as some accessories to help you with that main lift. Um, of course, dealing with the safeties, you might even, if you have the, 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 um, privilege of having a friend with you you know putting the safeties on getting a friend to stand behind you that can help a lot but even just practicing failing safely um, you can even just do that with like just a 20 kilo bar practice uh, failing into the safeties um, how does that feel? And, and you know, if, you've, if you're having this problem too, you'll be able to move through it. But yeah, definitely listen to the episode that Beck and I recorded where we talked about Squats ID because she's lifting crazy, crazy high numbers. Like she's an amazing power lifter and she had a little bit of it come into her mind as well um, not too long ago. So moving on to comp day itself and this brings us to our third lesson is don't let being terrified stop you. So I get pretty nervy for these sorts of things. I think I'm a pretty nervy person. I get nerve I got nervy going to the movies after um after lockdown finished and like I was like you know, because I was going by myself and I was like, how do I, how am I going to hold my popcorn and my Diet Coke and scan my um, QR code and wear my mask and hold my kit? Like there was just a whole thing. So like I get nervous, you know, going to the cinema. So um, you can imagine what, how, you know, potentially how nervous I am on something like a comp day and waiting backstage is pretty terrifying for me. Um, I don't let that stop me. i still do things. It's incredibly uncomfortable and I freaking hate those feelings of those nerves. I really don't like it. But at the same time, I really want to do the thing and I don't want to let my nerves stop me from doing it. Um, This is just bringing up a situation where I, um, back when I was with STC Fit, this is years and years ago, we're on this group day out and we went to Bounce, if anyone knows what Bounce is and um you know where you play on like trampolines and stuff and there was this like this uh like ledge that you could jump off into like a foam pit wasn't that high all these you know little kids like five and six year olds jumping off this ledge the whole team jumps off the ledge I reckon I walked up and down that ledge maybe like 13 times couldn't jump off I couldn't do it I couldn't do it in front of everyone it was so embarrassing but that just gives you an idea of how much I like I get nervous I'm very scared of doing (laughs) <laughs> Ugh, it just is what it is. But anyway, I didn't want it to let me stop me doing this powerlifting meet. So yes, you know, when they call your name and you go out for that very first squat, I was shaking like hell. Um, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm meant to lift this thing that's super, super heavy when I'm shaking. I'm literally shaking. Um, well, what do you do? I don't know. I got out there and I did it. You know, you. I don't really remember seeing anything like you kind of focus narrows in I think that that's like a not a fight or flight response but it's what I maybe it is actually when just our focus narrows actually it is it's a it's a survival mechanism where our focus narrows so we can concentrate on the one thing that we're doing uh, but also in these sanctioned meets you do have people around you and I actually knew the dude standing behind me that was spot, spotting behind me um, but I, you have three people, right? So there's three people spotting. Um, the dude behind me, you know, weighed twice as much as me. He, I think, pretty sure he tapped me on the shoulder just before, and he was like, you know, I got you. Um, so you know, full confidence in the guys around me that were spotting me, which is also, um, a, you know, something that helps with confidence on the day. But. You know, I don't want to say it's normal having nerves like this because I don't know that (laughs) other people get as nervous as I do. But I do want to say, like I said, with the lesson, don't let that stop you. Like I experienced it. um, I did really well on the day. I don't think I missed a lift. I don't think I got any red lights uh, and I didn't get a bad total. I think it was like 262 at at 55 kilos, which wasn't too shabby. It's not amazing, but it wasn't too shabby. I think it was like a 95 kilo deadlift. Uh, sorry, a 95 kilo squat, 52 and a half kilo bench press, and I think it was 115 kilo. So that wasn't a sumo deadlift. That was a conventional deadlift, 115 kilo deadlift. I believe. Yeah, I believe that's what my numbers were. So um, on the day, I this is this is sort of a bonus thing. I just want to say, you know, focus on yourself. Focus on your numbers. Um, no. Bullshit, high achiever, ego, crap. You are not owed anything just because you lifted something in the gym doesn't mean you're entitled to it on the comp day. There's very, very different situations lifting in a gym compared to on a platform. Um, Even working with the um, Olympic plates can be really, really different to working with bumper plates. But yeah, if the weight isn't there on the, the day, if you miss a call, honestly, it's your bad luck um, cop it on the chin, act like an athlete, act, act like a professional, even though you're not, or you may not be, or you may not feel like it. Um, just remember you're not entitled, entitled to anything. This is sport and take it on the chin and learn from any mistakes that you make. And hopefully you'll really like the the competition and have another go at it. Yeah. But these are really like the character building things to do. Which brings me to the last reflection, which is, oh, the book is behind me, but I won't grab it. Um, So striving for something just out of reach does make us a better person. It improves our sense of self-efficacy, which in turn improves our self-esteem. So I always talk about this book called Strive. I believe it's by Dr. Adam Fraser. I highly recommend you read this book called Strive. It, I refer to it like every podcast I feel it's amazing, but it basically reiterates what I just said. These moments in time where we're doing something, you know, for ourselves or even maybe for other people, but where we're really challenging ourselves, and it really is on us to do the thing that we need to do, which just feels just slightly out of reach. Which is really testing our capabilities. And maybe we're not sure that we're going to be able to do it, but there is a part of us that wants to fight for this thing. The positive impact that will have on your character and your life is next to nothing. And again, it might be something where it's really hard, and maybe you're terrified and you experience emotions you don't want to you don't want to feel, like being scared, being terrified, um, having, you know, some ego, ego deaths, those sorts of things. I get it. That's not necessarily comfortable. But we don't grow when we're comfortable, and I've, I've got to be really honest with you. Comfort isn't that great. Like far out, it's really not that great. We don't we don't thrive in our comfort zone. We do thrive when we be, when we are being to an extent pushed. And you might have heard of a flow state, and a flow state is where we believe we're capable of doing the thing we need to do. We are being stretched just a bit. Right, So it's a little bit challenging, but we believe we're capable and of course we're also interested in the outcome. And this is called a flow state. And you might experience this if you notice that you're doing something and you lose total track of time. So that's a really, really good indication that you've hit a flow state and often working towards these goals can help us uh, inject ourselves into this flow state and doing that actually really helps us be a better person. And I found that these, just like was it last week when Jess and I were talking about um, how so often fat loss phases are about a feeling and who we have to be to get a particular result. And it was, you know, the same reflections here, these kinds of behaviors, and they start to leak into other areas of your life. So you find, you know, your relationship improves or your work improves. Now, I'm not saying it can't take a toll negatively, but so can every experience, you know, with every experience that we have, we can either take lessons and use it to build our character or Or we can let the ugly side of ourselves just amplify. And look, sometimes that has to happen too for us to get through that and realize that you know what, these are some areas that we need to work on, right? So I don't want to say anything um, necessarily bad or wrong, but I do want to say that for those of you listening, which I'm sure are probably every single one of you, we do like to strive to be better. And even though, again, like going back to, was it the second, the first lesson or the third lesson, let's not... Let's not let being terrified or being scared of doing something or being nervous or maybe questioning whether we're capable stop us from actually doing the thing and giving it a go. And it's really, it's so much easier said than done. I get this. Uh, You know, when people say that we shouldn't be worried about failure, it's like our culture, I think people say that offhandedly. Our culture definitely prioritizes and lifts people up who don't fail, like like, that's so true. And I think we're often mirrored over and over again that failure is bad. Even though people are posting quotes about it being good, I think the message we get from the you know our greater, our social community when it actually happens is it's not good. We're kind of shunned when things don't work out, I, I believe, for a lot of the part. However, that's truly, truly not the case. And if we can surround ourselves with people who are there for us when failures happen, and I think it's a really, really good sign that we are outside our comfort zone. We are testing ourselves. And it's really through failure that we can learn and then move forward and grow. Okay. And not to mention, you know, the confident, the confidence boost that you get from doing hard things. You know, it's 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 amazing. So definitely have a read of strive. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It wasn't too long, was it? Uh, 22 minutes, I think, talking about my four reflections from uh, Powerlifting Meat. If you wanted to shoot me through a DM and let me know your reflections, uh, head to the at fitandfree.podcast and shoot me through a DM. Like, What was your experience with um, prep like? What was your experience on the meat day? on, on meat day like. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna throw in a bonus one that is just dawned in my head, which is number five. It wasn't really a lesson, it was just an experience. Um just how uh just how bad you can what's the word? I, I'm missing the word. Just how just how challenging Peak week can be in a powerlifting comp. Just how fry, how fried your system can be. I walked past my house one day, like I forgot which was my house. Like that's insane. I've been here for seven years. Um but yeah, just really, really irritable uh, and just not having much of a bandwidth for anything because as you get closer to comp, of course, you start actually testing um, singles and you know doing singles at like 95% capacity is extremely, extremely taxing on you. Um, so that last week can be really, really challenging. I wasn't in a diet for the actual meat that I did, the actual sanctioned novice meat that I did, thank goodness. But having to diet down, I think would just amplify all of that. So if you are doing your first comp, I mean, you have to, you have to speak to your coach about this, of course, and come up on a game plan. But I would, I would highly recommend any of my clients who wanted to do a comp um, against dieting for it. Like don't diet for it. Just have an experience, do whatever weight class you fit into, make it easy to fit into. So it's not just another stress, um, have fun, enjoy it, learn, see if you like it and want to continue with the sport, you know, cause it is a really taxing sport um, the training sessions compared to hypertrophy training sessions are like two hours long, just because rest periods are you know five to seven minutes when you're doing when you're doing things like you know triples and even fives, um, and that you would be doing those sorts of like triples and fives um, earlier in the prep. Of course, as you get close to the day, your training needs to get more specific to powerlifting, so you come into doing singles. And yeah, it's incredibly taxing, and you might not have much bandwidth for work or other people, um, which is interesting. So, anyway, guys, that's it from me. Next week, I'm going to be doing a the same thing reflections on my bikini shows, the two bikini shows. Now, not to rub any powerlifters up the wrong way, but I've I've gotta say, in my experience and at the novice level, uh, the bikini comps were much more of a challenge than the powerlifting comp. Like the powerlifting comp was much easier to handle. Um, and I think the reason for that was there wasn't a diet component to this for me. Like there was, you know, there's a nutritional component to it in terms of making sure that you're fueled well for training. Um, but yeah, it's just that that 24 seven comp prep for a bikini mindset it's 24 7 it is 24 7 powerlifting at a novice level doesn't have that and i'm not here to talk about elite athletes and their experience because that's not me i don't know what that's like and you know comparing powerlifting to bikini competing is like chalk and cheese you can't you can't compare the two but i just wanted to say as an experience as a novice do i say athlete as a novice athlete who did both the bikini was way 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 harder there are a lot more deep and meaningful lessons through the bikini, um, the bikini experience. So I will dive into them next week. If you want to uh, screenshot and share the podcast, I would be extremely, extremely grateful. If you have any friends that you feel would resonate with the podcast, please uh, send the profile um through to them so that they know. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you next week.